Good morning. So we are, as uh, George just pointed out, wrapping up this four-week series, this Advent series that we've been in, where we are looking at the different names, and you, were, you did so well. I'm so proud of you. Good job. Uh, <laughs> yes, applause. Applause required. Um, so, um, so we've been looking at these names, and these are names, of course, that the prophet Isaiah ascribed to the coming Messiah. And, and again, they're in Isaiah 9, verse 6. Let me just read through them again for you. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so far in this series, we've worked through uh, three of those names, right? We've looked at what it means that Jesus is our wonderful counselor, how he is always available to lead us and guide us and direct us with his wisdom. How cool is that? We looked at how Jesus is our mighty God and how he loves us and how his power works in our lives. And last week, we looked at how Jesus is our everlasting father. And unlike our earthly fathers, how Jesus is absolutely perfect in his father-like care and compassion toward us. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at this fourth and final name, the name Jesus, uh, the name Prince of Peace, and what that means. So um, before I get going, though, let's watch this little video clip and see what some of our younger friends have to say about this name. What's a Prince of Peace? What's a that? A Prince of Peace? Yeah. Have you ever heard that saying before? No. No. Okay. With a pretty dress. Like a, yeah, like a princess? Mm-hmm. What kind of a king is Jesus? A king of everyone. What does the word peace mean? No fighting and always like niceness. There isn't any fighting and you just get along together. Do you have like a peaceful place? My bedroom, because my sisters can't interrupt me there. My bedroom. Yeah, what's peaceful about it? My younger sister doesn't come in and like bang on my door and annoy me. Do you have any nicknames? Yeah. What are your nicknames? Um, Livy Lou and Livy. Rudy. Rudy, why do they call you Rudy? Because I'm a good football player. Oh, nice. That's pretty good. All right. So, yeah. Not sure what Rudy has to do with Prince of Peace, but that's okay. They were having fun. And, and some of those definitions were spot on, right? And the bedroom and everything. And honestly, people will do almost anything, right, to get peace, right? They, people will spend a lot of money and travel to exotic locations to find peace. People will experiment with religious uh, meditations and exercises to find peace. And I do know people will inject drugs that will destroy their bodies in an attempt to find peace. People will do almost anything to have to get peace. And that's because everybody wants peace, right? All of you want peace. I saw a number of hands going up like, how do you need peace right now? And, and, and we do, we want peace, but there are at least a couple of times in our lives when we really want peace. One would be when circumstances uh, become uncontrollable, right? And we've all dealt with that. Those situations that are beyond your control when you're sitting in stop traffic, traffic jam. Oh, I hate that. Or if you're like me, seasonal allergies, or maybe you plan something outdoors and the weather just goes to, you know, it goes upside down on you. you know, all of those times are out of your control. Personally, I have worked with couples who've wanted to have a baby and it wasn't happening for them. I, I've talked with singles who wanted to get married. It wasn't happening for them. 
Um, I've talked to individuals who wanted to move beyond a chronic health issue. It wasn't happening for them. In those moments when life is out of control, that's frustrating, isn't it? Yeah, we want peace. Second time, when I'm sure you want peace is when people become unchangeable. You ever have anybody like that in your house? It happens, and you can't change them. You know, if you, people will resist change. If you try to change somebody, they will resist it every single time, even if it's for their own good, right? But when people won't change or don't see the need for change, it's frustrating too, right? In those moments, oh, you want peace. Third time when you probably want peace are when problems become unexplainable. And we all know, right, that not everybody lives happily ever after. We all know that not everything has a perfect ending, but boy, it just makes it worse when we don't know why. When things are unexplainable, that, that's frustrating and leaves you wanting peace. Well, the good news, as we've been talking about all morning with you, is that Jesus came 2,000 years ago to be our Prince of Peace. In John 14, Jesus says this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So for all of you sitting here, for all of you watching online right now, Jesus is going to give you a peace-filled life. He wants you to have that. He wants you to enjoy that. Now, understand that doesn't mean it's going to be a problem-free life, but it does mean that as your Prince of Peace, you can have peace in the midst of those problems, in the midst of those struggles. And there are a variety of ways by which he can do that for you. For example, as your Prince of Peace, Jesus invites you to accept what cannot be changed. And this is important because worrying about what cannot be changed will not give you peace. Getting angry and bitter about what cannot be changed, that won't give you peace either. Or even feeling guilty or self-pity over what cannot be changed won't give you peace. Those, none of those things work. So as your Prince of Peace, Jesus invites you in those moments, to, to, there's a time where you simply need to learn to accept what can't be changed. In 2 Samuel 12, there's a story about King David. He has a little baby boy, and that little baby boy is dying. And David does everything he can to try to save that little baby boy, his son. He wept, he prayed, he fasted, he pleaded with God. Nothing worked. The baby boy died. Now, David's advisors were afraid to tell him of that because they thought he'd lose it. But when David found out anyway, he gets up, he takes a bath, he puts on some clean clothes, goes, eats a big meal, and goes back to work. And his advisors are just astonished by this. They're like, David, you, you were in agony when the little boy was alive, and now that he's dead, you're okay? How does that work? Now listen to how David explains it here. He says, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. Do you see what, pain, what, what David did there? In the midst of his pain, he found peace by simply learning to accept that was out of his control. What could not be changed. 
And I think Paul has it in mind when he says this in Philippians 4. Paul says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Paul learned to accept what he could not change. And the reason why I share this with you is because when you are in a time of your life that is filled with conflict or struggle or pain, or it's a situation that you're stressing you out and you're, or you're nervous or you're worried or whatever, it's easy to want to ask the why question, right? Oh, so easy. Why me? Why now? Why this? Right? So easy. And it's not wrong to ask why. It's not wrong. What, where, where you've got to be careful, and so this is just a word of caution, is to keep asking that why question. Well, you just ask it again and again, and you demand an explanation. Because that will block you from experiencing peace every single time. It will keep you from enjoying peace when you demand an explanation. In fact, let me just share a couple of things about your demand for an explanation that you might want to just keep in mind. Fact number one, Jesus doesn't owe you an explanation. Uh, actually, he doesn't, he's not obligated to tell you anything. He is the creator, you're the creature. Keep that in mind. That said, as your Prince of Peace, Jesus loves you and he's good towards you. And so he lovingly invites you to trust him in those moments where life is spinning out of control. He invites you to trust him and say, okay, Lord, I don't get this. I don't understand why this is happening, but it's okay. I know you've got it. Not only does Jesus not owe you an explanation, but second, even if he did try to explain it to you, even then, you probably won't understand it. I mean, the mind of God is so great. His perspective is so broad. Literally, it would be impossible for you to fully comprehend all of his different ways. So even if Jesus did sit you down and try to explain, this is what happened and this is why it's happening, I'm thinking you still probably wouldn't get it. It still wouldn't make sense to you. Third, explanations don't bring peace. They don't. I mean, it's tempting to think, oh, if only I knew why, then I'd be okay. But that's not true. I mean, just think about those people who lost everything in Mayfield, Kentucky last weekend, right? They know exactly why their house is scattered across three states. They know exactly why they lost some of their loved ones. I can pretty much guarantee you that knowing why has not given them a whole lot of peace. Thankfully, in the midst of those times when your world is spinning out of control and you lack peace, there is a source and comfort and peace for you. There is a source of peace, and it's the only source that will work in those moments, and it's Jesus' presence really is. As your Prince of Peace, he promises to be right there in the midst of whatever it is that you might be facing. He promises to, to, to be there right in the middle of whatever cannot be explained. And in that moment, he's there to comfort you, maybe strengthen you. Okay. But to get you through it, right? That, that's what he's there for. And if you want an example of somebody who accepted what could not be changed and at the same time trusted in God's presence, read the story of Job sometime. Read the story of Job in the Old Testament. I'm not sure if you know who Job is. He's a very godly, wealthy man. And on one period of, a, of one day, he loses everything. He loses all of his kids. He loses all of his livestock. He loses all of his property, his crops, everything. He becomes bankrupt instantly. 
And then on top of it, he gets inflicted with this disease that leaves him in conflict, constant pain. This is pretty awful. What makes it worse is he doesn't know why this is happening. Now, if you read the book of Job, you'll find out that, you know, God is actually testing Job and Satan is the one who's behind all of these catastrophes. But Job doesn't know that, right? He, he's still in the dark. Yet this is what's so cool. Even though he doesn't know why, Job learns to accept what is out of his hands, what cannot be changed. Look at this in Job chapter 13, verse 15. Though he slay me, I will hope in him. Even if I don't know why, and God finally takes my life, even then I'm going to just put my trust squarely on him. Quick show of hands. How many of you have ever heard of the serenity prayer? Any of you have heard that? All right. For those of you who came in, hopefully you received an actual copy of one of these. And this is a little pocket card. And it's small um, because it's designed to go in your wallet or your purse. But most of you are going to be, if you are familiar with it, you're familiar with this first part of the prayer. It's at the top. It says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. To the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Great prayer. That's the first part. But the real power is found in the rest of the prayer. Let me read the rest of this. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as the pathway to peace, taking as he, that's Jesus, did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. That's the serenity prayer. And the power of this prayer is found in learning. What this prayer is telling you to do is that there is power when you learn to accept what cannot be changed. And in the process, trust in Jesus' presence. Trust that your Prince of Peace is right there with you, even when life doesn't make sense. And there are going to be plenty of times like that, right? You want peace? You got your Prince of Peace right there with you in the midst of it all. That's the first point. Second point, second point I want to share with you is as your Prince of Peace, Jesus also invites you to trust in his gracious power. So not only does Jesus want you to trust in his presence, that he's right there with you in the midst of that turbulent time, but that he will also give you the strength that you need in the, to stand firm in the midst of that turbulent time, right? Jesus is inviting you to depend, to depend on his power to get you through. Isaiah 26 says, you, Lord, give true peace to those who depend on you because what? They trust in you. Now, as I already mentioned, this doesn't mean that your life is going to be one problem-free cruise. It's not going to be that way. There are always, there are going to, always going to be problems. In fact, there are a couple of very good reasons why at times your life seems to be one problem after the next, after the next. And the first reason is because, well, you live in a broken world, folks. If you haven't figured that one out, wake up. It's a world that is messed up, and it's been messed up ever since Adam and Eve disobeyed God. Ever since that point in time, the world has been infected and polluted and corrupted by sin. That's why we have pandemics. That's why we have cancer and disease and illness. That's why we have wars and famines and, and, and poverty. That's why there are tornadoes and earthquakes and wildfires and, and flooding. You name, the world is broken with sin. That's why there's all this garbage. Second reason why sometimes your life is going to feel like one problem after another. Guess what? You face an enemy and his name is Satan. 
and he hates you. And so he's going to mess up your life. He's going to do everything he can. He's going to mess up your marriage. He's going to mess up your family. He's going to mess up your health. He's going to mess up your finances. He's going to mess up your work. He's going to mess up your friendships. He will do anything he can to make your life miserable. But wait, it gets worse. There's a third reason. And it's because of this. One, you get one problem after another because you wrestle with your own sinfulness. So yeah, not only do you deal with the devil and this sin-broken world, but you have, to have, you also have to deal with your own sinful wickedness. In fact, I would argue that the vast majority of the problems and the pain that you experience in this life is due to that third, third reason. But all three are constantly at work trying to steal away your peace. Here's the good news. The good news is that even in the midst of all of that going on, you can trust in God's gracious power, right? You can trust that your prince of peace came to this earth and has defeated the devil, the world, and your wicked sinfulness, right? By his death on the cross, by his sacrifice, you can have peace. Peace in the sense that you are now free from the guilt of your past. You're forgiven. Peace in the sense that you can enjoy a relationship with God that is right now and forever. How cool is that? In Ephesians 2, it talks about this. In Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. And that's good news. But it gets better because even as you go through one day after another and you face struggles and, and, and conflicts and things that stretch you out, Jesus, your Prince of Peace, invites you to bring those conflicts and problems to him in prayer, promising not only that he's going to hear you, but in that moment, he will give you his gracious power to stand firm in it. You know, in, in Philippians 4, we find these very familiar words, but they're, they're so powerful. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer, there it is, and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. You got something that's wigging you out, give it to God. Why? Here's, this is the best part. Because the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So whatever it is you're facing, give it to your Prince of Peace. Why? Because he will give you his gracious power to stand firm through it all. Third truth. Jesus also, as your Prince of Peace, invites you to celebrate his loving plan. So when you are in the midst of facing some conflict, some struggles, some pain, something that's got you stressed out and nervous and worry or whatever it is, Jesus just wants you to remind, he wants you to remember that as your Prince of Peace, he's got a bigger plan. Okay, there's a bigger plan at work. Even though you all might, you just might have tunnel vision in that moment, he's got a bigger plan and it's a, a loving plan where he is in control. In John 16, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Here's the problem. If you're like me, even though you know what that verse says, <laughs> there are times when you still want to be in control because you think you know best. But that is a dangerous, dangerous path. And I say that because of what Paul says in Romans 8. He says it this way. The mind of sinful man is death. But the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. So really, you have two options here, right? You have the path of death and then the path of life and peace. Yay. And this isn't rocket science, right? Which one should you choose? 
that one, this one, right? So if you want peace, and I'm saying deep, lasting, personal peace, then you celebrate that loving plan provided by your Prince of Peace. However, before you enjoy peace, the peace of God, there's a prerequisite. You need to have peace with God. And thankfully, that's why Jesus came, and that's what we're celebrating. It's all about Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's what Advent is. That's why it's so cool. Jesus came as your Prince of Peace to give you peace with God. And this is huge because your relationship with God is out of whack. He's holy, you're not. You and everyone else in the world, no one is perfect. We're all covered with sin, and that sin set threatens to separate us from God forever. But thankfully, Jesus, following God's loving plan, came to this earth, was born in a manger, died on a cross, rose from the grave so as to help, so as to restore you through faith in him back into a relationship with God. In Colossians 1, it says, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus and through him to reconcile to himself all things, making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So through Jesus' sacrifice, your relationship with God is no longer out of whack. Yay. Through his suffering and death on the cross, the filth of your sin has been washed away. Yay. Because of his willingness to take the punishment that you and I deserve, that we deserve for everything we've done wrong, We are cleansed, we are forgiven, we are saved. Yay. And the result, Romans 5, I love this. Since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, here it is, we have, what is it? Peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. As your Prince of Peace, Jesus himself sacrificed. He he, he sacrificed himself. He followed this loving plan for you, for me, for all people everywhere. And and, And the end result is that now anyone, 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 by the power of the Holy Spirit, can believe that Jesus is their Savior, that he was born for them, that he died for them, that he rose for them, and they can be forgiven and adopted into God's family forever too. So I don't know about you, but to me, that's a loving plan worth celebrating. So I don't know what you're dealing with right now in your life, uh, you might be, you know, in an uncontrollable situation. You might be uh, dealing with an unchangeable person. You might be uh, facing an unexplainable problem. I don't know, but I do know this. Jesus came to be your Prince of Peace, and he will give you peace. He will flow peace into your hearts and into your lives, and you will be able to experience it and enjoy it. And to help you get there by the Spirit's power, Remember to accept what cannot be changed. It's out of your control. It's not ever out of God's control. Trust in his gracious power to help you stand firm. And then above all, celebrate his loving plan because he's bigger than anything that you might be facing. Celebrate his loving plan for your life. So let me just challenge you in a couple of ways. All right, let me challenge you first of all to read the entire serenity prayer each day this week. Okay, Um, pull that thing out, read through it each day. Let it just remind you that you have a Prince of Peace, that he's right there with you no matter what. And he'll give you the power that you need. Second, give thanks that because of Jesus, you have peace with God. This is huge, right? This This is the reason why he came. Jesus was born, he died on the cross, he rose from the grave so that you could be forgiven and saved and 
Enjoy peace with God. Give thanks for that this week. And then third, as George just pointed out a moment ago, invite your one to join you for Christmas Eve worship. You know, grab one of these invite cards, pray for the opportunity to open and present itself and invite that person so that together we can come and learn about our amazing God and his gift of love for us in Jesus so that they, those people we invite, they can you know, l- learn to trust that Jesus is there Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Amen? Let's do this. All right, let's pray. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, help us to accept things that cannot be changed. Help us to trust in your gracious power and to trust that you always have our best interests at heart. And finally, Lord, help us to celebrate your loving plan for our lives. The plan that brought you here to be our savior so that we can enjoy peace with you, with God. Lord Jesus, bless us this week as we prepare our hearts for your arrival and to celebrate that gift of love. We love you and we pray all this in your great name and all God's people said, amen, amen. So in just a moment, you get to celebrate this incredible meal called the Lord's Supper. And um, in this gift, there's this, the, we receive bread and wine, but it's this also this mystery because in the same bread and wine, we receive Christ's true body and blood. Before you come forward, uh, because I, I don't know where you're at, I, I want to just make sure we're all on the same playing field. We're all on the same level. So there's a couple of questions I want to ask you just to kind of prepare us for this meal. Okay. The first question is this, have I been baptized in the name of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? If so, awesome. Second question is, do I believe that I am a sinful human being without hope of eternal life, without God's mercy and grace in Christ Jesus? Do you believe that? And if so, that's a good second step. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is your Prince of Peace, the Son of God and your personal Savior? If you say yes, praise God. And then the next question, do I believe that Christ is personally present in the bread and the wine with his body and blood? Again, it's a mystery. We receive both. We receive the bread and the wine in a natural way. We receive Christ's body and blood in a supernatural way through faith, but they're there. They're all there. If you believe that, great. And then we had this last was the last question. Do I commit by the power of the Holy Spirit to live a godly life? Do you, do you commit to, to honoring God? With, with what you say and with what you do? If so, I invite you to come forward to enjoy this incredible gift of God's grace in a tangible way where you receive a, a forgiveness of your sins, certainly, but also a strengthened faith where we as the body of Christ get to celebrate this common faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What I'd like to do right now is just offer you a time to come before God in just quiet confession to come before him and share with him maybe what it is that's stealing your peace or maybe something that you get, it just keeps tripping you up. But let's just talk to God and then I'll close it with a prayer. Lord God, we are strugglers with sin. We already know that we live in a broken world. We also know that the devil himself is fighting against us. And of course, we've got our own sinful wickedness. And that just messes everything up. And we mess things up. A lot of times we just walk right into sin boldly. Lord, forgive us. Wash away the stain of our guilt. Allow us to know your grace, your peace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Your Prince of Peace came to this earth to be your savior, to rescue you from your sin, from your guilt, from all the mistakes and failures you've ever committed. Because of his love, because of his sacrifice on the cross, because of his death, what he accomplished for you, you are forgiven. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, go in his peace. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, and he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from this cup, all of you. This cup is a new covenant in my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sins. Do this as often as you drink from this cup in remembrance of me. I invite you to come forward to, to celebrate this incredible feast, this incredible gift of grace. And as you come forward, celebrate the peace that you have with God. And just as a reminder, we're going to um, invite uh, the sections one and four up first and then two and three. May God bless you. And I'll see you Christmas Eve.